Welcome to Romans Untangled, the podcast where we take a seemingly difficult book of the Bible and untangle it so that we can enjoy its beauty. Season 4, Episode 9, The Struggle of Mission, Romans 15, 23-33. As we get close to the conclusion of this amazing letter from the Apostle Paul, he shows us a bit of his heart. By this time in his ministry life, Paul has been seriously mistreated by many people for his proclamation of the gospel. And yet, even after all the hardship, disappointment, and loss he has faced, we see his deep desire and mission to continue to go towards people and want to deeply minister to them. Pastor Steve Treichler here of Hope Community Church. Welcome. Since about 2015, uh, I have noticed how much harder it seems to be to be engaged in any kind of business where you are doing people work. As I've talked to teachers or businessmen and women, as I've talked to other pastors, and that's kind of my realm, it seems like it's getting more and more difficult. And I've been doing this for a while, and so it just seems that way. There's this cancel culture reigning. There's this desire to withdraw from things that could possibly hurt me. Uh, and so, therefore, I won't engage with people that have potentially hurt me before. And, you know, perhaps it's just my own experience, and I've talked to quite a few people, and they would agree with me, but maybe it's just my own surroundings I find myself. But But there's a lot of hurt and mistrust out there, and especially in the church, right? And listen, (laughs) I go to a great church, and I know that sounds like a humble brag, and I don't mean it to be that way. I really do. I have great people on our staff, in our eldership, uh, in our church. Most of the, the difficulties we've had have been dealt with in very, very godly and real and non-defensive ways. And so I I just, it's a beautiful thing. And yet, uh, there are marriages that are really hurting and going towards divorce. There are kids being bullied for their faith. There's economic realities hitting people hard. There's an, an overwhelming sense of struggle just with what it's like to live in a fallen world in 2023. This week, uh, we want to dive into this, and I, 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 I see an observation here in as we're getting close to the end of the book of Romans here that has really encouraged me. So let me get to that in just a moment. Let me remind you where we're going, and then I want to, I, I want to unpack how this, this, this ministry that Paul went towards people in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of this, he had a mission to just stay on this and move towards people. Now, let's just remind us where we were from last week. Last week, we looked at the the middle part, if there is such a thing, of of chapter 15, where he compliments them. And starting in verse 14, he says, "I, I myself am convinced, brothers and sisters, that you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of the of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And that those two verses really summarize this whole section and what he's getting at. He he compliments them 
and he wants them to know he's proud of them. He feels like they're knowledgeable, and yet he's really kind of pounded. And in some ways, it's like, whoa, using some really direct, maybe even sarcastic language, he's made his points in such a way to really dig the gospel deep into their lives. And then he says, I did this because one of the reasons you've written the book of Romans is to really justify his ministry to the Gentiles, that they can come straight to faith without having to be a, uh, a Jewish person first. Paul goes on in with the passage that we read from last week to talk about his ambition, his desire, his the thing that he wanted to strive to achieve was to always go into areas where the gospel hasn't yet been found. And that's why he says in the last verse of that section from last week, he says, this is why I've been hindered from coming to you. Okay, that leads us to this week. I want to read the passage through. If you got a Bible with you, it's really helpful. If you can have it open or your phone or whatever, however you look at it. Romans 15, uh, verses 23 to the end of the chapter, verse 33. Let me read it through. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions, and since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy, by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Okay, great section. Uh, This is what a lot of people would say is the, the first conclusion to the book of Romans, the second We'll talk about that next week as we read the last chapter. And that's our last episode of Romans Untangled. We'll be next uh, next time. Th- this time, he's, he's giving them travel plans is really kind of what's going on here. And he's explaining some things uh, of where he's going and why he's going. And he just explained that he he's not been to Rome because he was trying to give the gospel out to different places where where the gospel hasn't reached yet and it has to Rome and so he, but he wants to visit and he's going to go to Spain next via Jerusalem. So if you look at the order of where he's going here, he's going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to go to Rome because he's on the way to Spain to do evangelism and discipleship there and to build plant churches there, okay? Now, with that said, I want you to notice a couple Interesting things here, really fascinating things. First thing, look in verse 23, and he says, But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. Okay. So, wow. Uh, A lot of people think that uh, the Apostle Paul is in Greece as he's writing the book of Romans. Um, and he's he's traveling around in this area, and that 
it's a little complicated because ancient Greece was different than modern Greece, but it, there, there's an overlap for sure. But he, he says this interesting phrase, there's no more place for me to work in these regions. Well, what does that mean? And Paul was about the business of proclaiming the gospel, and he was about the business of starting churches, right? Raising leaders, and then he'd move on, right? Well, it's interesting. He says, there's no more place for me to work in these regions. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of room left, a lot of people. I mean, he, he, it seemingly had just scratched the surface of this whole um you know, the whole region when he when he's done with his initial ministry. And uh, David Hesselgrave uh, has written a book called Planting Churches Cross-Culturally, A Guide for Home and Foreign Missions. It's an older book. It was written in 1980. But his basic premise in the book is he looks at the Apostle Paul's ministry in the book of Acts, and he says, what exactly was the Apostle Paul's strategy? What exactly was that he wanted to see done? And so um, he basically boils it down. He, he, he It's a little complicated in the book. He does, he calls it 12 different categories. Um, he, he, the categories go like this. The missionaries were commissioned. That's Paul and Barnabas. Audience was contacted. The gospel was communicated. Hearers were converted. Believers congregated. Faith was confirmed. Leadership at these new churches was consecrated. Believers were commended. Uh, it says relationships were continued. Sending churches convened, and then they continued the process. Then, then that church would, that new church would also start more churches. Okay, and he must be a Baptist because it's all C's, you know, going around everything. Commissioned, contacted, communicated, uh, converted. Right. He basically puts it on a, a little wheel. And if you if you could see the diagram, and I know you can't, this is a podcast, but it's it's just a circle, and there's there's ten points to it, and it goes right around. Or if you want to boil them down to, you know, he would say there's evangelism, there's equipping, there's e uh, gathering the people together, and then it's empowering them to be able to redo it. Okay. Now I wrote my. I'm not trying to to. I have a doctorate degree, and I wrote my uh, doctoral paper on the issue of church planting, multiplication, looking at a multi-church, uh, multi-location uh, philosophy, uh, some of the the you know multi-campusing, and some of the things happening in the United States, and and how our church was going to be engaged in that. Anyway, the the, the point is, I actually used Hesselgrave, and and I, I wrote a paragraph here. It's weird to quote from yourself in your own paper, but let me read from my own paper here. It says this. So in the book of Acts, uh, the normative pattern for expanding the kingdom of God is that this process would renew itself through the planting of churches that would ultimately plant more new churches to reach new regions. This was the model in the book of Acts. They desired to see as many worshipers of Jesus and as many new churches planted as possible. Their expectation was that these new churches would carry on the commission given by Jesus to continue the process, and they rose up leaders to continue to carry on this legacy, 2 Timothy 2.2. Uh, weird to quote yourself as some kind of expert. I don't mean it that way, but I'm just saying... What happens here now is Paul has this pattern that he's doing for ministry, 
And he comes into an era and he begins that pattern and he gets that church sometimes in a few months. Uh, in, in the case of uh, some other churches, he did like 18 months, Ephesus, two years. And he gets that church to where it's just starting to feel like it can begin to empower uh, new churches. So a lot of the letters in the New Testament are just discipleship letters to these new churches that the Apostle Paul is doing, trying to do this process. and But he expects this thing to spiral out with the planting of new churches all over the region. So he can say, back to our passage, he can say in Romans 15 verse 23, there's no more room for me here. <laughs> just it's like wait a what there's no more room for me that this is it and so uh I'm done here now and I need to move on because this area has been quote unquote reached with the planting of the gospel for the first time it's not reached as far as like oh man every single person no but he expected new churches to flourish on from there okay now second thing I want you to notice from this this passage he says he's gonna. He's got a desire to go to Spain, and the reason he wants to go to Spain is because it's unreached. All right, doesn't yet have the gospel, so he wants to go to Spain to do that. But he's gonna go via two places. The first place he's gonna go is Jerusalem. Now that's really interesting. Why would he want to go to Jerusalem, right? And then the second place he's gonna go is Rome, because he he mentions that several times that I, I really I really want to be encouraging to you, and I want to be a blessing to you. You might have remembered, if you're a longtime Romans Untangled listener, that we read this passage or looked at portions of this passage way back in the beginning of the letter to talk more about the setting and who Paul is and what is where he was at in his ministry and all these kind of things. And he, he talks here about wanting to come and see them. And in some ways, you could put what he writes here at the end of this letter in the beginning of the letter, but he doesn't. That's his choice. He, he puts it here at the end. He says he's going to Jerusalem, and he explained to us why. He says, I'm going in the service, this is verse 25, of the Lord's people there. And then he gives two areas for Macedonia and Achaia. We're pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. So now what's that all about? Well, got to understand this. Jerusalem and Paul are very uh, have, have, a, have a long history. He, he's had some real rough times in Jerusalem. If you go to the book of Galatians, it describes one of them. Let me let me walk you through this. This is interesting. Chapter 2, and he's going to talk about going to Jerusalem. Okay, and this is a different instance, but he's, he's going here, and uh, let me just read it. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain, yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So just stop right there. What's the issue here? He's talking about he was a, uh, the, the apostle to the Gentiles, and yet he brought them to Jerusalem, which of course is ground zero of where Judaism is. The temple was there, right? It's it's the place. And so when he comes there, there are people there that are have, uh, have kind of a mixed bag of Christianity and Judaism. Jesus is okay, but you have to also be Jewish. You have to be circumcised. You have to obey the law. You must do all the different things, right? And Paul's like, no, that's not the message. That's not how it works. That's why he says, 
not even Titus, who was Gentile, right? Of course, he's not circumcised yet. And he says in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Galatians, this matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So again, this is going to be the issue in the book of Galatians. People from this group that was in Jerusalem have come to Galatians saying, you're not saved unless you get circumcised, unless you follow the law, unless you become Jewish. And the apostle Paul says, "You that is a false gospel. That is not true. All right? So he's, he's, he's talking about the struggles he's had with Jewish Christians, which, by the way, the apostle Paul is. So it's it, he's he's saying, this is me. But I'm not saying I, I'm going to keep this uh, uh, Judaism as, as prevalent. Okay. Verse 6. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were, make no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillar, pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles, and they to the circumcised. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Now, I remember as a young believer reading this thinking, what? Uh, wait, okay, you're going to go to the Gentiles. These other apostles are going to go to the circumcised. But those apostles are saying to me, remember the poor. Now, remembering the poor is an important thing. I'm not, I'm not, it's a biblical thing, right? It's, it's But it doesn't, why not say things like, remember to be nice, or remember to remember to uh, love one another, or you know a lot of different things. You could. Why does he say remember the poor? Well, let's look at why that is. In Acts chapter eleven, the Apostle Paul is continuing his ministry, uh, and um, it says here in verse twenty-seven. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem. To Antioch, and again, Antioch is north of Jerusalem, but it's everybody says down because uh, Jerusalem's on a hill. Okay, one of them named Agabus stood up and, through the Spirit, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Okay, and Saul's later going to get his name changed to Paul. Okay, so you see what, what this is actually saying here is there are Jews in Jerusalem significantly struggling because of this famine. It hasn't reached all the areas where Paul has been traveling, and so he's been raising money in all these different places, you can see it clearly in some of his letters, especially 1 Corinthians, First and 2 Corinthians. He's raising money for the Jews back in Jerusalem. So just think of the irony there, okay? 
Here's these Jewish people who have looked down upon Gentiles all their lives. Now Christ comes in. They are under famine. The Apostle Paul, a Jew, is going to the ones that that he himself and others looked down on before and asking them for money to help the poor Jews. Okay, the Jews in Jerusalem. Dude, if there's anything that communicates the radical nature of a changed life in the gospel, it's this. He is now going to take money from the Gentiles. And he even says that. He goes on to say, if the the Gentiles spared and the Jews spiritual blessing, right? Because this goes back to that whole idea that that salvation comes through the Jews, like the, the message given to Abraham, Isaac, right on through. That's a message as a microcosm to all the world, as well as Jesus coming through the Jews. If if they share that, then they can they should share with the Jews materially and everything. And it would go both ways, of course, if the if the shoe were on the other foot, so to speak, and the Gentiles were undergoing um, uh, famine and different things. So this is the first thing that Paul is trying to accomplish, is communicating an incredible gospel truth that this money is going to change hands. Okay? Then he goes on in his letter to basically say, once I get there, I'm going to Spain, and I can't wait. It's just so encouraging. I know that when I come to you, verse 29, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. What a, what a great thing to say. I mean, he just can't wait. You know, that way back in chapter 1, he says, I will will be mutually encouraged by one another. Just a great phrase, okay? He's going to close this section out. He's going to close it by asking for prayer. And he says, he kind of gives this, by the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Spirit, Would you join me, and listen to this, in my struggle? There it is. So the Apostle Paul, I love this. I love that he shares that he struggles because, man, this is everyone's common experience if you're trying to be a follower of Jesus. And especially if you're engaged with people, you know it's a struggle. It's hard. You're engaged with people and... And uh, it's hard. And also, you're a sinner too. And so you cause some of the hardship, right? He says to pray, to, praying to God for me, pray that I may be, there's two things he's going to ask for here. Number one, kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea. Now that's an interesting thing to pray for. As he's on his way here from the Greece area, coming through these regions and getting in Judea, which is the, 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 the area where Jerusalem is, why, why? Is he praying for safety? Well, I mean, it's okay to pray for safety in general, I'm sure. But remember what he's doing? He He's collected a, a lot of cash. And uh, there's no cashier's check back then. You don't put it on a, on a card and, and kind of walk in and, you know, or there's no wire system. You're carrying the cash with you. So he's praying for safety. But then the second thing that he asks for, and it's just fascinating, he prays for the contribution that he takes to the Jerusalem people. And he even says that, they, that they're the Lord's people there. He is praying that it may be favorably received by the Lord's people. This is such a, you know, normally I think I've read this passage, I don't know how many times, 50, I don't know. And just today this hit me. It's a prayer. He's asking for prayer that as he's bringing a gift to them, that they would look upon it favorably. <laughs> Isn't that just a weird thing to ask for? Why ask if, you know, if I'm going to come and give you $1,000, you know, would you pray that, 
they're favorable towards it. Well, why is that? Well, Jerusalem has been hazardous to Paul's health. Uh, you know, eventually at the at the end of the book of Acts, uh, you know, we we see that that when he arrives in Jerusalem, it does not go well. <laughs> I mean, uh, what happens there in chapter twenty one? Uh, it says, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our law and this place. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple and defied this holy place, even though Paul, it's, Paul didn't actually do that. And then it says in verse 30 of Acts 21, the whole city was aroused. And the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple, and immediately the gates were shut while they were trying to kill him. News reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw that the commander and his saw the commander and his officers, they stopped beating Paul. Okay. Remember, this is the Apostle Paul has several times been beaten up for his faith. He has talked about Jesus Christ, and most of the time the people that have gotten after him have been religious people. Now, there's other cases. There's, there's a case in Ephesus where the, they're upset that they're going to take away the trade of some of the, the idols that they were making and different things. There's, there's cases where it's not religious people. But most of the time it's religious people. And he is actually praying that people would see his gift from the Gentiles and that they would receive it gospelly. What do I mean by that? They would realize that money from the Gentiles is equal to money from anyone. There's nothing wrong with being a Gentile. That we were reading the Old Testament incorrectly, that the nations were always God's plan. It's an interesting prayer that he prays, that he's asking them to pray for him that they would honestly be uh, so infused with the gospel that it would change the way that they are interacting with Paul, even though he's bringing a gift. And then he goes on to end this part by saying, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. And again, this is where a lot of people think uh, this is what they would call the first ending to the book of Romans. Uh, some people think Paul's second or chapter 16 was an add-on. He did it you know, before he sent it, or he was just kind of ending the letter and he realized he hadn't done any personal greetings, or he wanted to include his personal greetings at the end or however it goes. But you could see it could kind of flow uh, to an end here. Now, I've got a couple minutes left. I want to do something today. I I want to pray for you. I know it's maybe a weird thing to do on a podcast because you're like, wait, you don't, you don't know who's listening. I know that. I know that. But I, I want to pray for you for your, in this world that we live in right now, in this complicated day, that we would uh, be kept safe. And I don't mean we're going to worship safety, but we're, we're, God is going to preserve you and then also prepare you to be engaged with people and go where it's risky and pray that they would receive that favorably. I'm just going to pray for you as I close out this episode of Romans Untangled. God, I pray right now for every single person who is listening to this podcast. 
Lord God, in this day and age, as we are engaged with people, maybe family members, maybe coworkers, maybe fellow students, Lord, that uh, as we engage with them, your Spirit's doing amazing work. And I pray you'd work in our hearts and give us peace and give us safety so that we can move towards people even in, in what seems to be risky, dangerous situations. Would you give us that kind of faith? Would you bless us by the power of your Spirit and encourage us to see, just like the Apostle Paul did, your kingdom, your gospel, to continue to run just as it has run in our lives. God, just keep doing this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We got one episode left. We'll see you next time on Romans Untangled as we conclude the book. Romans Untangled.